Hello, and welcome to the Clarivate Q1 2021 earnings release conference call. All participants will be in listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please see our conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question, you may press star, then one, on your touchstone phone. To withdraw your question, please press star, then two. Please note, today's event is being recorded. And now I'd like to turn the call over to your host today, Mark Donahue. Mr. Donahue, please go ahead. Thank you, Keith, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the Clarivate First Quarter 2021 Earnings Conference Call. With me today are Jerry Stead, Executive Chairman and Chief Executive Officer, Richard Hanks, Chief Financial Officer, Mukta Ahmed, President of Science Group, Jeff Foy, President of IP Group, and Gordon Sampson, Head of APAC Strategy and Growth. All will be available to take your questions at the conclusion of prepared remarks. As a reminder, this conference call is being recorded and webcast and copyrighted property of Clarivate. Any rebroadcast of this information in whole or in part without prior written consent of Clarivate is prohibited. This morning, Clarivate issued a press release announcing our financial results for the period ended March 31, 2021. The release, as well as an accompanying supplemental presentation, is available in the investor relations section of the company's website, clarivate.com, under events and presentations. During our call, we may make certain forward-looking statements within the meaning of applicable securities laws. Such forward-looking statements involve known and unknown risks, uncertainties, and other factors that may cause the actual results, performance, or achievements of the business, or developments in clarity industry to differ materially from the anticipated results, performance, achievements, or developments expressed or implied by such forward-looking statements. Information about the factors that cause actual results to differ materially from anticipated results or performance can be found in Clarivate's filings with the SEC and on the company's website. Our discussion will include non-GAAP measures or adjusted numbers, including adjusted revenue and adjusted EBITDA. Clarivate believes non-GAAP results are useful in order to enhance an understanding of our ongoing operating performance, but they are a supplement to and should not be considered in isolation from or substitute for GAAP financial measures. Reconciliations of these measures to GAAP measures are available in earnings release and supplemental presentation on our website. After a prepared remarks, we'll open the call to your questions. And with that, it's a pleasure to turn the call to Jerry. Thank you, Mark, and thanks to all of you for joining us this morning. We're off to a very, very good start in 2021. As expected, our organic revenue growth is improving following last year's challenges due to the pandemic. We're also benefiting from the many operational enhancements that we've been implementing across Clarivate in our acquired companies in the last two years. We reported adjusted revenue for the first quarter of $432 million, an increase of 75% on a constant currency basis, driven by the acquisitions of DRG and CPA Global. Adjusted organic revenue at constant currency grew 7%, with subscription revenue increasing 6% and transactional revenue up 10%, which represents our best organic growth quarter since going public two years ago. While we do expect some time impacts, timing impacts on a quarterly organic revenue growth this year, our first quarter results demonstrate that we are absolutely on the pathway to achieving 6 to 8% organic growth exiting 2021. The adjusted EBITDA was $165 million, up 111%, and our adjusted EBITDA margin improved by 600 basis points to 38% compared to last year's first quarter. Today, we issued a, a Form 8K and discussed in our earnings release the recent SEC position on accounting for warrants. The unfortunate timing of events made it impractical to finalize our full set of financial statements to meet our April 29th earnings date. We expect to issue our first quarter financial statements and file our Form 10Q by May 10th which will show the non-cash impact of the SEC's position on warrants. Importantly, and very, very importantly, the changes have no impact on our quarterly revenues, adjusted EBITDA, or cash flow in this year's first quarter or in any prior periods. I'm very proud of the significant progress our team has made on the many operational improvement initiatives that are underway or have been completed. For example, we're well ahead of our schedule to integrate DRG, which is now complete. We're running four months ahead of plan with the more complex CPA global integration. 
the accelerated progress has allowed us to capture cost synergies quicker and to get a jump start on mapping out revenue synergy opportunities as we begin, as we begin to realize these sooner than originally expected. Our ability to accomplish such work following our move to a connected workplace, whereby our colleagues are largely working remotely, gives me great confidence that we have the internal resources in place to continue to pursue small and large-scale M&A opportunities. Last year, we made the decision to permanently move a large percentage of our colleagues to a connected workplace following the success we experienced working in a virtual world. With this move comes cost savings, but also environmental benefits that we cover in our recently that we have covered in our recently released sustainability report. Our connected workplace initiative has already led to the closing and downsizing of 35% of our global real estate footprint out of our total target reduction of 60%. Since opening our three global business centers, the commercial teams have been successfully moving customers to inside sales. Our goal is to migrate 80% of our customers that generate approximately 20% of our revenue into these three centers. This frees up our outside sales team to focus their attention on the larger customers who are the engine room for our future growth as we increase our penetration in those accounts. We're on target to move 20% of our revenues into these three centers by the end of the second quarter. The change to our commercial operations will make it easier to do business with us, provide better experiences, and help us delight our customers. By simplifying processes and approvals, we're even more efficient and quicker to respond to customer needs. At Clarivate, we're building a world-leading organization centered around our core purpose. That is, we believe human ingenuity can transform the world. Our essential products and services play a very big and very important role in helping our customers discover, protect, and commercialize innovation. The world's innovators need us like never before, and accelerating ideas and innovation is not just our opportunity, but it's our responsibility. We will meet this responsibility when we bring all of our resources, talent, and focus together as one clarivate. We recently launched One Clarivate, a critical shift in our strategy. We're transforming from being a collection of distinct market-leading products and services to becoming a key partner to our customers by delivering the critical data, insights, and workflow solutions coupled with deep, deep domain expertise that they need to drive their innovations and their businesses to help their customers with confidence. This new approach means we're changing from product-centric organization to a customer-centric organization, starting with our commercial approach. We will be industry-focused rather than product-focused and approach these industries from the outside in. We're now focusing our customer-facing activities on five global industries or customer segments. Life science and healthcare, professional services, academic and government, manufacturing, and technology and consumer products. We look forward to sharing more information with you as we take the next step in building the world-leading information services company serving these very attractive in markets. In 2020, we made great progress on improving how customers view us, and we received actionable feedback. We exceeded our customer delight score in 2020. In two weeks, we will be launching our first customer delight survey of 2021. The survey is being sent to 50% of our customer contacts, which includes both end users and decision makers. As part of our progress towards one clarity, we are including all of our acquisitions in this survey for the very first time. Our customer delight goal for this year is 77. We're very much looking forward to sharing the results of this year's surveys with you and future earnings calls. Two weeks ago, we issued our first annual sustainability report. I'm very pleased with the work our entire team did. This was a significant undertaking, and our team produced an extensive report on our 2020 progress and our 2021 and future goals. In the report, you'll find information covering what we've done, what we are doing, what we will do, 
our environment, government, governments, colleagues, and community. We hope you'll take the time to visit our website and read through the report. Sustainability is at the very center of our goals. We look forward to sharing that progress with you in the years ahead. Now, turning to our 2021 outlook, we're tightening our revenue and adjusted EBITDA guidance because of our strong start. Adjusted revenue guidance is now $1.79 billion to $1.84 billion. And adjusted EBITDA is now $790 million to $825 million. There's no change to adjusted free cash flow of $450 million to $500 million. Once we file our Form 10-Q for the first quarter, we will reissue our adjusted EPS guidance for 2021. I'll now turn the call over to Richard. Thank you, Jerry. We are very pleased to see the economic recovery playing out as evidenced by our strong first quarter. I will review many of the key financial metrics but won't cover net income, earnings per share, debt ratios, or standalone adjusted EBITDA, as I would normally do so as a result of the pending non-cash adjustments relating to the accounting for warrants, which, as Jerry mentioned earlier, has no impact on the operational performance of the company. For the first quarter of 2021, adjusted revenues were $432 million, an increase of $189 million, or 75% at constant currency, compared to last year's same period. Excluding Tech Street, which we divested in early November 2020, adjusted revenue increased 81% at constant currency. The drivers of the growth were last year's acquisitions of DRG and CPA Global, and an increase in organic revenue partially offset by the Tech Street disposal. The foreign exchange impact on first quarter revenue was a positive 3.3% due to dollar weakness compared to last year's first quarter. And as Jerry mentioned, the strong start of the year has allowed us to bring up the low end of both our 2021 revenue outlook by $10 million and our adjusted EBITDA outlook by $5 million. <clears throat> adjusted organic revenue growth was 7% at constant currency. Subscription revenue was $235 million, an increase of 19% of constant currency, driven by acquisitions and organic growth, partially offset by divested products. Organic subscription revenue growth was 6%, or $12 million of constant currency, due to a favorable subscription entry rate, pricing, and timing benefits from tighter operating procedures, enabling us to reduce overdue renewals by 85% compared to last year's first quarter. The subscription revenue renewal rate at the end of the first quarter was 93%, in line with the 93% for the prior year period. But importantly, we have renewed a larger percentage of the book at the end of this year's first quarter as compared to prior year. Transactional revenue was $84 million, an increase of 68% year on year at constant currency, primarily driven by acquisitions and organic growth. Organic transactional revenues increased by $6 million, or 10% at constant currency, due to strengthen our professional services businesses, including strong performances from DRG and an increase in trademark search volumes in CompuMark. We continue to see a nice recovery in this segment of our business following the impact from COVID last year. Reoccurring revenue, which is derived from the CPA Global Patent Renewals business, was $112 million in the first quarter, with no figure for the comparison period. <clears throat> Subscription plus reoccurring revenue accounted for 80% of adjusted revenues in the first quarter, demonstrating our highly predictable revenue model. ACV growth at constant currency was 11% for the first quarter as compared to the same prior year period, which includes acquisitions. Excluding the vestitures, ACV growth was up 16%, while on an ongoing basis, ACV increased by 6% period to period, consistent with the 6% growth in organic subscription revenue growth, all on a constant currency basis. Turning to the business segments, Organic revenue growth within the science group increased by 10%, driven by new business. Growth at DRG, which annualized into organic growth from March 2021, 
and tighter operating procedures, resulting in lower overdue renewals, which added to organic subscription revenue growth. For the IP group, organic revenue increased by 2% on a constant currency basis, primarily due to an increase in subscription revenue driven by content upgrades and better price realization, as well as growth in transactional revenue due to improved transactional volumes. Geographically, organic revenue growth was 7% at constant currency across each individual region, the Americas, EMEA, and Asia-Pacific. This reflects nicely the balanced recovery of our businesses following the challenges in 2020. We delivered strong adjusted EBITDA growth in the first quarter, increasing by $87 million to $165 million, more than doubling as compared to the prior year period. This was driven by contributions from acquisitions and organic top-line growth, strong margin flow-through, and the benefit of the cost savings initiatives. Adjusted EBITDA margin improved by 600 basis points to 38% from the same, same period prior year. Per our 2021 outlook, we expect to see a sequential improvement in our margins throughout the year as we progress towards a 44% to 45% full-year margin for 2021. Cash taxes in the first quarter were $3 million, compared to $5 million in the prior year period. Capital expenditures in the first quarter were $33 million, an increase of $14 million over last year's first quarter, primarily due to the addition of DRG and CPA Global. For the first quarter, adjusted free cash flow was $163 million, an increase of $85 million, more than doubling as compared to the prior year period, driven by the strong operating results and an improvement in working capital. We ended the March 31st Q1 2021 period with $399 million in cash and cash equivalents, an increase of $141 million from the year-end 2020. This was due to contributions from earnings and ever tighter working capital management. Our total debt is $3.5 billion and decreased by $7 million from year-end 2020. With that, I'll now turn the call back to Jerry. Thanks very much, Richard. Before we open up the line for questions, I want to thank all of our colleagues around the world who continue to go above and beyond every day. The COVID pandemic is still prevalent. We continue to monitor all of our colleagues and locations around the world. Our colleagues in India have been experiencing a strong resurgence of the virus, and we're supporting them in all ways possible. We're now ready to take your questions. As a reminder, please limit yourself to one question and then return to the queue. Operator? Yes, thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask your question, you may press star then one on your touchtone phone. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To try your question, please press star then two. At this time, we will pause momentarily to assemble the roster. And the uh, first question comes from George Tong with Goldman Sachs. Hi, thanks. Good morning. Organic constant currency okay. revenue growth. Hi, Jerry. Uh, organic constant currency revenue growth accelerated to 7% in the quarter from 2.4% in 4Q. Can you elaborate on what drove the significant acceleration in growth and if there were any unusual one-time benefits to organic growth? Uh, no, I'll be happy to. Great question, George. I'll start. Richard will pick up. Uh, as I said in my script, that we're enjoying uh, the results of an enormous amount of hard work across the board with our teams. When we went public two years ago, we had a ton of effects. Uh, much of that's been fixed with more to come. Uh, we focused on cost uh, savings. and In fact, we've taken out almost $200 million from where we were at, including our acquisitions. So we got that, if you just go back and look, up significantly on the EBITDA standpoint, and that'll continue, as Richard said, uh, as we go through 2021, closing at 44-45% uh, total uh, adjusted EBITDA uh, in 2021. 
At the same time, we rebuilding everything. Uh, just a quick reminder, uh, in uh, early 2019 was the first time we put the teams, sales teams together inside of the two businesses uh, that Jeff and Bert Tard do such a great job of leaving. We also started in 2020, what I talked about in the move to uh, inside sales with much more of that to come uh, in the, the years, months and years ahead. We went after an enormous amount of things. We changed commission program. We did an enormous amount of training. We refocused our field sales organization. We helped those not performing well to find positions elsewhere. And we're, we've been working on pricing uh, realization. So it's a combination of a lot of great work. And a lot of that process improvement is in place and will continue to be in, in the 2021. Uh, Richard, just pick up on the piece with any one time. Please, uh, simple answer, please. Yeah, nothing one time. We, we executed very well in the first quarter, particularly with subscription renewals, 93% um, renewal rate, but we, we renewed more of the book as compared to, as I said in my script last year. And transactional growth, you know, 10% in Q1 um, as compared to 6% in Q4 last year. So we're seeing sequential quarterly improvements in transactional volumes. And I think that, bode, that bodes well for the rest of the year, for, for Q2 and Q3 and Q4 rest of the year. I'd just add one more thing. It, it's so important that we do a good job of communicating this. As we flow through the year, it's important to look at our organic growth first half, second half. As I said in my uh, script, uh, we expect a high degree of confidence to exit uh, with organic growth in the 6 to 8%, which will include our acquisitions in the fourth quarter and have a high degree of confidence of that happening. See, at the same time, as we look through first half, second half, we uh, gave the uh, guidance on our last call of about 48%. Revenue first half, 52% second half. So I just couldn't feel better about where we're at. Uh, the things we've laid out were executed. Uh, the things that we laid out on the two slides saying uh, that they're actually available now uh, on our website that says, here's all the things we're going to do to become much more productive and much better uh, on the EBITDA and free cash flow standpoint. And then we said, here's all the things up to the right which is how we're going to get the organic growth and total revenue. So I feel really good about it. Uh, thanks for the question, George. Next question, please. Yes, thank you. And that comes from Tony Kaplan of Morgan Stanley. Thanks so much. Um, wanted to ask about if you could give us an update on how fast DRG and CPA grew in the quarter. I know DRG was a little bit lighter last year, so I wanted to understand if it's making progress towards the low double digit that you're expecting for this year um, and and just how those those are coming. No, great question, Tony. Richard picked it up separate, DRG and also CPA. I'll just preface it with Tony that the facts are that it hit exactly where we expected it to, both of them in Q1. Uh, only one month, March of Q1, uh, uh, was included for organic growth with DRG, but just couldn't be happier with Philip Richard. Yeah, we're in terms of uh, the DRG acquisition end of February last year, we're, we're, we're frankly delighted um, with the performance of the business in the first quarter. But more importantly, uh, the outlook for the rest of the year, uh, the market is growing at 12% uh, per annum. And um, you know, our, our expectations are that we will grow uh, at the, you know, double-digit rates this year, um, which the company delivered in, in 2019 pre-acquisition. Obviously, there were some impacts from COVID last year, but the business is performing very well. And importantly, our optics into the rest of the year are, are favorable. In the case of CPA, uh, performing in accordance with plan, um, as we have said in previous disclosures, uh, this business will grow 67% per annum due to natural tailwinds from patent renewal book increases, and uh, we're delighted with um, we're delighted with the integration of the business into into Clarivate. We're ahead of plan on our cost savings program, and um, 
the business is tracking well. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Next question. Sorry. Thank you. And that comes from Anna Patnayak from Barclays. Well, good morning. Uh, let me ask the first question in a different way. You know, the 10% growth in science, you know, is clearly above what we thought and I think what you had guided us to. So, you know, maybe one time is not the right way to ask the question, but perhaps it's timing. And, you know, if you could just help us, you know, what the cadence for the growth in the next quarter and should be. Otherwise, you know, like, I don't think we should be bonding 10% for the rest of the year. So maybe you can just help us there. You know, I'll start with that, and then I'll have Mukhtar pick up on it. Great question, then, and then Richard will close off on it. Uh, when I said that uh, we would uh, think about organic growth first half, second half, that's a great way to think about it. Uh, I'm delighted with what uh, Mukhtar and team have done. Uh, and Mukhtar, just give them color, and then Richard will close it off, because it's a very appropriate question. Just as a reminder, Said we do six to six and a half percent all in organic for all of 2021. We're a, a bit ahead of that. That's why we raised the guidance from the bottom a bit on revenue. But pick it up, please, Mr. Yes, of course, Jerry. Um, you know, in, in summary, we've executed on all of our product plans. Um, you know, a lot of precision around. Um, you know, commercial focus and go-to-market, and, and and those are the reasons why we, you know, we've we've enjoyed the growth, you know, that we've reported today, and the bulk of that is in subscription, subscription and uh, reoccurring revenue, and uh, we very much expect that to continue. Yeah, thanks. And Richard closes off because it's a critical question. Yes, as as Jerry said, um, I think what's really important is the revenue profile. Uh, 48% H1, 52% H2. So I think that's what, uh, in terms of the models, that's what we should be using. And in terms of um, subscription revenues, firstly, uh, definitely you know, great execution in the first quarter to renew the book. And most importantly, overdue renewals uh, were ground down significantly in the first quarter compared to last year. Last year was definitely affected by COVID. We just couldn't get some contracts over the line and rev in Q1. We picked those up in Q2 last year. So um, business is tracking well. Uh, transactional um, growth, as I said, sequential quarterly improvements, Q4 coming into Q1. And you know, when we look across the different transactional revenue streams, whether that's uh, professional services, uh, particularly in the sciences group and IP search volumes in, in, Jeff's, in Jeff's segment, um, you know, our prognosis is that uh, the markets continue to thaw and improve. And, um, we're confident in execution rest of the year. And I just add two quick things, Mana. Thank you. Uh, as we said, 93%, uh, 2% increase uh, in retention. There's more to come, particularly as we see uh, us executing on inside sales in the quarters ahead. Uh, and, and then the price realization is a reminder to everybody, just over 50% of our annual subscription base uh, uh, comes up in Q1, another 20% plus in uh, Q2. So stay tuned with us, but a great start. As Richard said, uh, Apple's Apple's first half, you'll see uh, the pieces that we didn't get done in Q1 last year shows up in Q2. And so Manhoff, it's a great question. I wish I could tell everybody that will continue to grow at 10% uh, organic uh, in, in science, and Luke Jarrell will do his best to do that. But think about it as part of an all-in six to six and a half organic growth for the year and a strong uh, expectation to execute for, which will be the first quarter that CPA is uh, also organic at the 68%. Thanks. Next question. Thank you. Next question, Andrew Nicholas from William Blair. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Just wanted to ask, you know, a higher level question on the sales environment and the, and the pipeline broadly. Obviously, last year uh, presented a unique challenge. So I'm, I'm wondering how you'd characterize clients' receptiveness to the product lineup right now, appetite for upsell, client budgets, things of, of that nature. And, and compare that to pre-pandemic levels to the extent that's possible. I mean, are we back to a, 
a more normalized environment in your view? And, and if not, how are you thinking about the recovery timeline in that sense? I know Richard, in, in response to one of the earlier questions, mentioned a little bit of a thawing of the end market. So any more color there would be really helpful. Thanks. Yeah, that was great. I'll start. Jeff will pick up and then we'll start. I think we're moving uh, towards a not more normal, uh, making great progress uh, in the world markets. Uh, certainly, life science is an example. And Richard said uh, growing at 12 to 13 percent worldwide. Uh, uh, so I think we're closer by far than we were even at the end of Q4. I think we'll see Q3 and Q4, uh, assuming no new surprises in the pandemic. Uh, uh, increase to an even more bullish uh, global market. So pick up, Jeff, and then Mukhtar on the backlog and, and, and the quote question, et cetera. A really good one. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Jerry. I think the sales, um, the, the appetite for upsell and, and the budget constraints from customers really hasn't been there. I mean, I think we've put together compelling packages since bringing these businesses together last year. Um, I think customers have reacted incredibly well to that. I mean, we've always planned for recovery in the IP market to really start to show up later in the second half. So we feel like we're on track um, and, and the market's performing exactly the way we expected. Thanks. Mokar. Yeah, maybe just to start with, um, you know, with with a perspective on, you know, on the industry. Um, and if we look at if we look at you know the industries we operate in post-pandemic, you know, it's 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 probably true to to say that you know the rate of um, you know the rate of you know digitized information, um, the impact that um, information has to to research in particular. I mean that that demand we expect that to grow. Um, we already have very long-standing relationships with with our customers, and you know naturally, what we worked hard to do last year was to deliver on those commitments, and we'll continue to do so, and and that allows us to enjoy long-term relationships with our existing customers. But you know, as, as that post-pandemic um, you know world uh, unfolds here, certainly in the industries that we're deep in, I think we're really strongly poised here to serve them just by virtue of you know our wonderful assets, um, the evolution of our products to to meet the needs of our customers, and also to just to engage in our customers in a you know in you know in in, in a different way with you know with high touch through our you know through our inside sales uh, approach. And I think I think all of that will will lend well you know certainly to uh, you know to to to, to certainly uh, you know our our, our growth uh, our growth plans. Thanks, Mr. Gordon. I'm going to ask you to just add a little color on the Asia-Pacific region, which is uh, historically our fastest growing, and particular focus on uh, China, uh, uh, Japan, and, and Korea. Sure. Thanks, Jerry. Just a couple of quick comments to add to Jeff and Mukta's uh, summary. Um, I, I think we've had an opportunity to look at the white space that exists across the product portfolio in a deeper way since bringing CPA uh, and, and obviously DRG just before that into the family. Um, what we're seeing is that, to Jeff's point, the uh, appetite to cross and upsell and the ability to explain solutions for customers. So taking that customer-centric approach is beginning to demonstrate that there is appetite in the market. Um, one final comment, we also see particularly in China uh, and in South Korea, uh, industry um, being focused on, so governments and institutions not promoting innovation, but being very specific around which industry verticals and which sub-segments in those they're putting their dollars behind, which plays nicely into our move into the one car of eight industry vertical model. So that's we're seeing the opportunity coming forward. And stay tuned for more of that to come. Thanks, team. Next question, please. Thank you, and that comes from Hamza Mazar from Jeffries. Hi, this is Mario Portolacci filling in for Hamza. Um, my question's around your, your, your 2023 targets. Um, I, I think aside from some of the tuck-ins that, that you're going to do, it also contemplates two chunkier deals. I just wanted to know what your line of sight is to those larger deals uh, this year or next year, and then are, are you the buyer of choice uh, for, for these companies? A great question. What we always tried to do is uh, patience, persistence, and preferred. 
Uh, I would say that the line of sight to larger acquisitions is uh, pretty clear. Uh, again, patience and persistence. Uh, I mentioned in my script how good I feel uh, the whole team does about our ability to execute integration. We get better with that every day, including the internal integration that we continue to operate on from a process standpoint. So that feels good. Tuck-ins are there. We'll continue to work on those and we'll stay, as I said, patient and persistent. But when we exit 2023 with the 2.8 to 3 billion personal goal I laid out and the appropriate uh, EBITDA and free cash flow that would complement that, we'll be able to look back, I think, and say, yep, we, uh, we were preferred, we did deliver, and uh, those goals become a reality. Thanks for the question. Thank you. Thank you. And the next question comes from Ashwin Shivakar from City. Um, thank you. Uh, good to hear from you all. Uh, it's a good quarter versus expectations. I, I wanted to ask uh, if I can about uh, um, expenses and cash flow, uh, um, which also uh, did, did well. Um, could, could you provide a framework? Um, is, the, is, is the same first half, second half framework uh, a good one to, uh, to, to follow for, for expenses and cash flow and then the phasing in of expense normalization coming out of COVID, if you could um, provide what the assumption was for non-permanent savings in anyone? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, Richard, you can pick this up in just a second, a couple of comments on it. As I said, I'm really pleased with the effort underway that continues to execute well ahead of plan as both DRG and CPA. We'll exit 2020, uh, one with something over $200 million in savings. Uh, as we go into 2022, we'll realize all of that uh, uh, as we, because of what we're doing in 2021. But it's a great question, an enormous amount of operational improvement every place, including in uh, tightening the uh, way we operate with our customers on cash collection. Richard, please. So what you should expect, what you will see in the remaining quarters of the year is the benefit from the uh, continued integration of CPA global into Clarivate and the cost removal, whereby uh, we gave the commitment at the time of the transaction to execute $75 million of savings on a run rate basis by the end of this year. But you'll start to see the benefit of those programs coming through our actual expenses uh, quarter over quarter. So you'll see continued good expense management um, Q2 through Q4. In terms of cash flow, uh, I, would, I would say this, I'd bifurcate the business between the legacy Clarivate business, including DRG, and the CPA global business. With respect to the former, the legacy Clarivate and DRG business, we do have, um, our cash flow tends to be, our cash flow historically has been stronger in Q1 and strongest in Q4, with Q2 and Q3 being a bit lighter than Q1. In the case of CPA, it's a more even distribution of cash flow quarter to quarter, and particularly the H1 to H2. Um, so, yeah, $163 million of uh, adjusted free cash flow in Q1, uh, enjoying uh, receipts from the, book, from the renewal of the books uh, during Q1. Um, and then we see that pick up in the fourth quarter as well, associated uh, with renewals. So. Um, that's the general the general pattern, but we're nicely on track to executing and delivering against the guidance of 450 million to 500 to 500 million of uh, just free cash flow for the year. Thank you. Next question, please. Yes, and that comes from Sean Rosenbaum with Stiefel. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for taking okay. uh, my question. Hey, Jerry, if you don't mind, I want to ask you a question and then ask kind of a guidance clarification. So I'm going to ask you to let me squeeze in two, even though it's against your rules. Um, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, the, the question I have really is I'm looking at like 
10% uh, transactional growth year over year on an organic basis, which is really strong. I usually think of the transactional growth coming more in the IP segment. And, and IP really grew, you know, uh, more at the low single digits of strong strength in the science segment. I was just wondering if you can just kind of explain, you know, what drove the transactional business? Is there any change in how that's coming about and how we should think about it? And then afterwards, I'd like to just go for a clarification for everyone's benefit in terms of the guidance. Happy to. Uh, we'll start with Jeff and then move to Actually, there's a lot of uh, growth going on in professional services in the science area that is, of course, uh, uh, transactional. And some of DRG's rapidly growing businesses there, too. But start with Jeff because you'll see the best leading indicator of the economic worldwide is some of Jeff's transactional business. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. Hey, Shlomo. I, I would say that, you know, on the IP services side, which is where the transactional revenue sits within IPG, you know, we've seen pretty solid growth, particularly around trademark and patent searching, and we've seen it across the globe. I would say in North America on a year-over-year basis, we had a really strong quarter in 2020, so on a year-over-year basis, you don't see uh, the same growth that we've seen in, in Asia-Pac uh, and in the European regions. That was offset a little bit by European patent validation volumes. And what you have to understand is uh, EP, there was a backlog with the EPO from roughly 2016 through the end of 2020. This is in the CPA business. Um, and that is normalizing right now in Q1, and we expect it to normalize in Q2. So that does you know, impact the number. But the strength in services, we think it's tremendous. There's been, uh, you know, an uptake across the board, like I said, in patents and trademarks in our analytics business. So we're very encouraged by what we expect the rest of the year to look like. Thanks, Jeff. Next time. Yeah, so, so starting off with, um, you know, with, with our consulting professional services, you know, we, we, we did see some tremendous growth there in, uh, in Q1. Uh, which is which has certainly um, you know contributed to the numbers you've seen. Um, you know, one thing I do I do want to point out though, with with our consulting services, remember they're positioned ultimately to pull through our products and our solutions over time. So you know, there's a causal effect there where eventually over time we drive more traction in the accounts that we operate in, and ultimately customers then consume more of our products and our and our data solutions. So, you know, that that's how we position, you know, our consulting services and, and, and we've seen really, really good traction there. The, the the second area is is really around some of the products that we launched last year. What we're starting to see signs of are a greater rate of um, customer adoption and product adoption in the markets that we operate in. That's starting to come through right across um, you know, right across all of our, our product lines, and in particular within, you know, within our DIG business. Thanks, Mukhtar. It just couldn't be better. Someday I'll have you give uh, Mukhtar your history of what you do do over time with pull through or subscription base in particularly life science. Uh, but uh, part one, one B, Shlomo, please. Yeah, so thank you. Just with the strong growth in organic growth and some of the commentary about uh, 1 q 20, uh, there was some slippage in terms of renewals that went to 2 q uh, 20. Uh, is it fair to assume that we should see the organic growth take a step down from a tougher comp in 2 q? Uh, and just if you can help us with kind of experience and how to think about that. Hello? Sorry, can you, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, no, great, great question. Richard, pick it up because it's a great question. So I just say again, uh, you know, the the lighting, the leaving light for our future is what Richard said uh, uh, on the, what what we reported with the six percent increase. But uh, Richard, please. Richard, please. Sure. So, 
Um, you're right, Shlomo, there was uh, definitely some lift in the first quarter compared to prior year comps because, uh, as I said earlier, there were some contracts that we just weren't able to get over the line at the end of Q1 last year because we're in the teeth of COVID and everybody was adapting to this changing environment. And those were picked up in Q2. So we will be up against a slightly tougher comp on subscription revenue in the second quarter. And so I think what's key there is looking at you know, the half year, our overall subscription growth, uh, I think that will give a more normalized number. So obviously we'll be concentrating on that in our Q2 earnings call. On transactional organic growth, as I said, 6% growth Q4 last year, a recovery from Q2 and Q3, where we saw 13% and 16% organic declines because of COVID, 10% growth in Q1. And as, as we're sort of demonstrating, you know, the markets are thawing, we're seeing improvements across across the product lines, whether it's professional services, trademark search volumes, IP professional services, all within organic growth, custom data sales. So, um, you know, that will obviously help us in our overall organic growth number for Q2. It, it, yeah, and I think great questions, Slomo. Thank you. Next question. Thank you. And comes from Zach Cummins with B-Riley Securities. Yeah. Hi. Good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, Jerry, could you talk about the migration that that's currently on uh, undergoing with, with your customer accounts, your inside sales teams? I'm just wondering how you're tracking versus your internal expectations and if that could potentially have any kind of positive impact to retention rates in, in this year, or is that more of a 2022 initiative? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Uh, we're on track to be at the end of Q2 have at least 20% of our total revenue, which would include uh, DRG and Clarivate, uh, as well as CPA on the inside sales. Feel good about that. Uh, early indications, uh, there it's not a trend yet because it's too early, but the renewal uh, renewals after transfer of the smaller com uh, customers today to inside sales is very positive. So I feel good about that. Uh, what I do, it's a great question because what I'd be thinking about is we do expect to see, uh, particularly in fourth quarter, a pickup because of that, because a lot of the uh, transfers of those customers with annual subscription basis, smaller ones, will be coming up uh, due in Q1. So we'll see a pretty good test, I think, with the Q4 inside sales. We've been really pleased with the talents uh, that we've hired and the training that's going on. So feel really good about it despite the pandemic. Uh, and we look forward to uh, going into 2022 with uh, even more of our total our customers on inside sales. So thanks. Great question. Next question, please. Yes, thank you. And once again, to ask a question, please press star then one on your touchstone phone. And the next question comes from Pete Christensen, the city. Uh, thank you. Good morning, for the, and thanks for the question. Um, Jerry, it might be a little early to ask this question, but uh, uh, you know, after after closing the CPA uh, uh, last quarter, uh, only quarter before, um, but is there any sense that, at least on the IT side, that the competitive your competitive win rate is improving? Any sense of market share gains now that you know you you built a much larger IP solution set? That's a great question. I'll start. Thanks, Jeff. Will pick up. Uh, the answer is we went after scale. We now have scale. We're about a billion dollar business. Next closest competitor is about 250 million. I will say there's more activity uh, going on with competitors trying to figure out how to partner with us with each other to compete with us, uh, which is about what we expected. In fact, Jeff and I had talked about that way back when. But give some color because it's a great question. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Pete. Uh, so we're feeling pretty good that we've been able to integrate the business very, very quickly, both on the on the product side and on the sales organization. They've come together very, very nicely. What we are seeing in the market is pretty wide acceptance to the broader base solution set that we have. Uh, we've spent uh, the first quarter of the year here really working on creating packages that, like I said before, are very compelling to our customers. 
they've reacted very well to those. Uh, we have a hybrid cloud solution that we're leveraging to protect customers' investments that they've made previously in some of the software solutions that they bought from CTA, and this is enabling us to more quickly bring data and applications and even some of our services together into an integrated offering. And what that's allowing us to do, which no one else can do in the market, is really allow customers to start to be able to configure their life cycle, their innovation life cycle, in a way that works for their business within their market segment. So um, we've seen really good market acceptance. Um, you know, I don't have numbers that I'd be willing to talk about here, but I mean, really nice market acceptance overall, and, and we feel pretty good about the year and, and what's coming into this year and next. And, and Jeff, just give a tiny preview on some of the new opportunities we see in expanding our existing market and some of the work you're doing on that as we close. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. And I, some of the things we've been working on, you know, last year we talked a little bit about decontainerizing some of the data that was locked up within the legacy platforms within Clarivate. We spent the last year really decoupling the content from those legacy applications, and this has created what we call internally IP cloud, and this gives us uh, the ability to bring data together to help our customers find answers to questions much more quickly without having to work through some of the platforms. We're focusing on two sort of areas. Um, some areas around bringing solutions and data lakes around specific technologies like 5G. Uh, we're also focusing on specific industries and roles like you know, polymer chemists, for example. We can get answers to our questions much, much faster by bringing more data together in a more integrated fashion uh, without asking non-traditional users to, to leverage an application that was designed for an IP practitioner. So we feel really good about what we're doing. I'd love, always love it to go faster than it has been. Um, but to Jerry's point, you know, data solutions that we're putting together and the, the ability to allow our customers to access our solutions more seamlessly are the two focus areas for the IP group this year. Thanks, Jeff. And I'm going to close uh, just thanking everybody. If you think about what uh, Mooktar was delivering uh, last year in Q3, 18, 19 new products, Jeff's doing the same plus some. Uh, just couldn't be happier. Couldn't be more proud or more pleased of our team. Uh, we're on track to do what we said we were going to do, and uh, we look forward to uh, doing our best to uh, provide great returns uh, to our shareholders for years to come. Thank you all very much, uh, and with that, operator, we're done. All right, thank you. The conference has now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation. You know, just your lines.